Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Go ahead and get food and, and make your way to your seat and go back for more. That's what it's here for. And we're so, so glad that you're here with us this morning. My name is Jacqueline Westerberg, and I'm one of the mentor moms for you here at The Nest. And we are always so, so glad to see you. And I want to introduce you my family. Um, they're up there. On the far left, with the big Aggie ring, is my oldest, who's 25. He um, graduated about a year and a half ago, and he's now working using all those skills that he learned at A&M. And then we have my sweet husband, um, sort of in the background there, getting into the picture. And we have been married for 28 years. It's flown by. Just can't believe it. Anyway, and then my daughter, our daughter, is in the middle. Her name is Julia. She is also at Texas A&M studying civil engineering. She graduates in May, and she's got a job in Dallas and can't wait to get back to Watermark. And then our son, Ryan, is the last one in the picture, and he is also at A&M but studying business. So that is my family, and um, I just, we were just talking. They're, they're my favorite people. So I wanted to talk to you today about something that God's been showing me, um, really about prayer. And I don't know about you, we talked about this a little bit in the table leader meeting, but do you ever pray, and although you're hopeful, you really don't expect God to answer? God's been showing me that I do that a lot more than I realized, and I think many of us are like that, especially when we're aware of the circumstances and the obstacles that need to be overcome for that prayer to be answered. And so God's used a couple of things over the past few weeks to change my mind about that that I wanted to share with you. A few weeks back, um, we were skiing as a family, and I was skiing as fast as I literally could to keep up with my 25 and 20-year-old boys, which turned out not to be the best decision for me as I fell a couple times, but it wasn't a really big deal. I got up and skied off, thought it was no problem, came home, did my regular routine, and a couple times after being at the gym, I thought, man, that skiing really doesn't work your back very much because mine sure hurts. And Things went on, and my back really seized up, and I could not move very well at all. My neck and my um, whole back was hurting bad. So I went to my trusted physical therapist, and he gave me some exercise, taped me all up, and I was in pretty good shape. So I went to Florida with my husband on a business trip, thinking I was really fine. But things literally went downhill from there. So the pain moved into my lower back and my leg, and I couldn't put any weight on my leg at all. It was excruciating. And on the third day we were there, I literally could not leave the hotel room because I could not walk. I crawled everywhere. And it was really hard. We were leaving the next day, and we were supposed to meet some great friends for lunch. And so I texted her that night. She's just a really strong believer as well. And I said, you know, I'm praying boldly. And she said, I will too. Our community great was also praying, but I thought, I'm, we're going to have to get a wheelchair tomorrow. That's how little I trusted God. Well, as God would have it, at the same time, I was studying in Matthew 17, when Jesus' dis disciples couldn't cast out a demon that a man brought who was in his child. And instead, he went to Jesus, who did. And so, um, Jesus' disciples couldn't cast it out because they lacked faith, not asking with prayer. And so let me read it to you because I think it's helpful. Get this. 
Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So really for days, I'd been operating in my own self-effort. I was doing, doing physical therapy and all the exercises to relieve the nerve impingement in my back. And like the disciples, I'd forgotten to pray. And then like the man with the son, I finally came to Jesus, but only with small faith. However, Jesus said we'd only need the faith of a mustard seed to move the mountain. And by then, my faith was clearly in Jesus. I had no other options in Florida. Well, the next day, he blew me away. I first woke up to scripture, and that's only happened to me a couple times, where first thing in the morning, I wake up with a scripture on my mind, and what I heard was, with me, all things are possible. And I thought, could it be? Like, would he really, could he really do that? Of course he could, but would he do that for me? So I gingerly moved, because everything hurt when I went to bed the night before, and I tried to get out of bed, put my feet on the ground, and you know, I wouldn't believe it, except for it happened, I had no pain. And I guess, you know, I say I couldn't really believe it, but that is wrong thinking because Jesus can do anything, and he showed me up big time. And, you know, it says in Matthew 7, 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will knock. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who f- seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then in Mark eleven twenty four, I stumbled on this in my quiet time. Just a few days later, it says, Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Jesus took my small faith, the size of a mustard seed, and grew it into expectant faith overnight. And kids pray like that. I don't know about your kids, but I think kids pray expecting to receive what they've prayed. And God calls us to be like little children, wholly dependent on him. Little children expect to be heard, responded to, and taken care of. And I think in this room, you know that well, right? So I know with our children, when they were little and we prayed, God always answered. I remember our son when he was four, he had terrible, terrible nightmares, Um, really terrors. He'd wake up shaking and crying and fearful of storms. And really specifically that a tornado would hit our house. And so we prayed that God would protect him and take the fear away. And within a few weeks of praying, that was gone. And I remember our daughter coming home in third grade, and she was so sad and told me that she was really jealous of a few girls that had eye things. And back then, they weren't as popular as they are now. So she was just heartbroken. So we prayed, and that morning, she woke up, and she ran downstairs and said, Mom, I don't have those feelings anymore. God took them away. And we prayed for many lost things in our house. And to my recollection, all of them were found. And so with my new expectant faith a few weeks ago, I talked to my kids about it, and we started praying together on the phone. And God has already answered a few of our prayers, and we're still expectantly waiting for him to answer others. And I want to share one of them because it's kind of... it's. It's a cute one, but it's also surprising. So the first opportunity came up when our daughter lost her AirPod Pro that she got for Christmas. Just one. And she lost it in the big engineering building at A&M, which is really big and, you know, just 
hard to imagine that she'd ever find it. So she reported it lost on her phone, and it kind of went dark. And then we prayed, and literally within hours, two days later, it pops up on her phone. It's in the engineering building. It's repowered. And so then it moved across the street to a small restaurant, and that God used to get her faith going, because then she thought, I'm going to go to that small restaurant and ping my AirPod, and I will be able to find it. So she went on her way, and by the time she got over to near the restaurant, it had moved back to the big engineering building. So, but God had given her boldness. She said to me later that she knew she was going to find it. So she went into the building and asked two large groups of people that were kind of congregated along the stairs. It was a big, wide stairwell. And they both said no. They hadn't seen it or found it. But moments later, when she was still searching, one of the boys from the group of boys came up and said, is this your AirPod Pro? And she found it, which is just amazing how God can do that. Praying and seeing God answer grows our faith. So I want to encourage you this morning to pray continually for yourself and to pray often with your kids. When you're preoccupied with something, you know how our mommy brains go. We're thinking about something. We're with our kids, but we're not really with our kids. Tell them about it. Tell them what's going on in your head. And then ask them to pray with you about it. And then tell them how God answers. When they're struggling in school or at home with a sibling or with a friend, pray about it. And then expect God to answer. Watch him and see him work. If we don't, we miss him. And we miss the opportunity to grow our faith and theirs. And I say keep it simple. I know most of your kids are little. And I'll say For at least with my boys, as they got bigger, fewer words were better. And so I use a little ABC thing, which A is acknowledge the situation, acknowledge what's happened when, you know, you're starting to pray. B, bring God in, bring in an attribute of God that's particular to that situation. And C, communicate hope. Let them know, pray that God will answer, pray expectantly for them and with them for um, for God to do it. God is not a genie in a bottle. He's better. He is the God of the universe. He is sovereign over all things. He knows you and he knows your children. He created them and has a specific plan for each one. And his plan is always better than ours. His timing's not ours. And often we have to wait a long time for prayers to be answers, answered. But pray expectantly because he promises he will answer. You'll be amazed how he answers you beyond what you expected or imagined like he has for me lately with very small faith. So I just want to encourage you that this morning. And let me pray for us and pray for the morning. Heavenly Father, we do praise you. You are sovereign over all things, and you are a good, good Father, a giver of all good gifts. And Lord, I thank you for the gift of your people who are gathered here today and here to listen listen to you through... Um, through others, Lord. I pray for Jenny as she comes up to speak to these women that you would give her your words and that your words would penetrate each heart here. You know our circumstances. You know us better than we know ourselves. So speak to each sweet mom that's here. Encourage her, guide her, and lead her. And would we take what we learn here and apply it for your glory and our best. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see everybody here. And um, I am so glad to welcome our speaker for today. Um, you may have heard of her. Her name is Jenny Allen. She is one of my favorite authors, um, and I've heard her speak several times and just so inspiring. But she is a mom, and she treasures that role and um, is so excited to come here and speak with us and share with us a few little nuggets. Um, we don't have handouts today, as you noticed, so there are some blanks blank notes pages in the middle on the tray if you need to jot a few things down um, or feel free to use your phone. So without further ado, here's Jenny. Hey guys. Well, it is a delight to be here. Somebody leaned forward to me and said, I'm so glad you're here. I know you have a crazy month and I do. And I said, well, this isn't for y'all. This is for me to walk into this room and to see all of your precious faces and to remember, um, these were my years, y'all. I was a um, I was a stay-at-home mom for ten years, and my my church had something very similar. It was called Moms and More, and they made homemade muffins, and that's what I remember about it. And I walked in, and there were homemade muffins, and everything in me just it flooded back to what I used to feel there. And I'll tell you several things I used to feel there. I felt like a failure all the time. I felt exhausted all the time, and I felt like I wasn't doing enough. I felt like there was something else I should be doing, and, and it felt like my life was super unimportant. And I also came, I mean, I loved Jesus since I met him. I mean, I, I would say I, I heard about him all growing up at 17. I fell madly in love with him, and I've never gotten over that. So I genuinely love Jesus. What I felt sometimes about places like this is I was, and again, not here because your lives are changing, I am sure. But I was surviving to such an extent that I don't remember anything I learned there. I don't remember anything that was said from the front or in my small group. I don't remember, lear- like, I don't remember my heart being particularly stirred at any moms and more. Although I'm sure the communication was fantastic. I'm sure they were teaching the Bible. I just don't remember anything, but I freaking remember the muffins. And <laughs> And I remember, I remember that I didn't feel alone, and I remember that I got a break. <laughs> and so I realized my job here this morning is completely irrelevant. So I don't even, I really don't even have to say much, you know. Y'all are just going to remember the bacon here. We didn't have that. Um, so so I'm, I want to say this. That's my people. I, here's the result. Like, you're changing diapers, and you're figuring out, should I make baby food? Don't. They, they had Gerber jarred. I'm sure it was fake everything. I, they're great. I mean, glorious. Like, I literally, I want you to look at them and be like, that is the future. Those are my best friends. They are completely make me crazy every single day. They, they, they're still complete sinners. They don't know how to live. And yet, they're making it. And they love Jesus And so far, no one has, well, only one of them has gone to jail, but it was just for a night. And they're all alive. And that was the big prayer of my heart at your stage. It was like, just don't, I don't want to be responsible for killing one of them. And like, I remember driving up to pick up dry cleaning and it's like, I can see them the whole time, but like, do I, do I get out? Like, what if someone stole them in that one second? Like, that was my brain. In those years, I was full of fear. I remember going to Target, which I did almost every day, and, and I would buy my Starbucks, and I would, I, we, we were poor, 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 and I could not um, buy anything, but I would just put a kid or two in the cart, and that would be my big outing, and so 
I would go to, to Target, and this day, I went to Target, and this was my, with just my baby, my first one that's now 22. And, and we pull into Target, and I get out, and I don't know how this happened. I don't, I, I don't, like, I know, I don't, I can't. The car was on, the doors were locked somehow, and I'm standing in the Target parking lot, and my kid, my baby, that is one and a half, is in his seat. And I'm going, okay, it's not like now where you have like SAR and all these things. Like I didn't know who to call. I didn't know how to get this open. I mean, we could call a locksmith that takes like an hour and a half. So I'm sitting there while he's in the car and I'm trying to, you know, mimic what he needs to do, which is basically unbuckle himself and, <laughs> and which he figured out real fast. And now he's got to unlock or open the door or... I don't know. I, I can't figure out what's going to happen. But y'all, we're there forever. So I'm sitting there like mimicking, like unlock. He figures out the, he gets out of his car seat. And now I'm scared he's going to drive. And, and so he's, I'm just going, hey, buddy, buddy, like unlock the door. Like I'm showing him. Well, all these strangers see me doing this, right? And they are so bought in. And they all come around me and they're, we're all going, unlock the door, unlock the door. And so sure enough, y'all, the miracle happened. He unlocked the door. He was free. He was, I don't even know. I look back, I'm like, he was such a baby. I barely think he had hair. But he did this. And I, I was like, this truly is, they're going to take my child. Like, this is the end. We, we have reached terrible motherhood. And where I want to start today is that there is a sense in this room, I would imagine, that there are, there are ways to really mess this up. There are ways to really mess this up. And I would imagine, too, there's a sense of this is going to last forever. But before I even imagine, here's what I want to do. I want you in one sentence to think what's the greatest fear or struggle you're facing in this stage right now. So for me, it was, I'm going to mess this up, or this is going to last forever. What is the fear or struggle that you're facing in motherhood right now? And then I want you to stand up and just kind of say it. Go. Just go with the first one that comes to mind. Don't overthink it, y'all. Okay. Okay. What are you afraid of in that? So you're afraid that she won't come to you. And then what would happen? Okay, keep going. That's good. Yeah. And then what happens? What? What happens if you're not enough? Because I think we say these, all these lies and we all feel them, but what happens if you're not enough? What's the fear? They'll be screwed up. That's right. That's the fear. I mean, I think that's the fear to that one. Okay. That they won't be saved. What else? Right. Yeah. No, I remember, like, I, I felt like I had to give the Heimlich any time 
a kid was like chewing on a Cheerio and they have holes in them, you know, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, they're choking. And, and my sisters to this day are like, Jenny, you really need to chill when our kids are eating. Like I have something about a kid choking. I am ready with the Heimlich anytime, y'all. Um, okay, what else? If something happens to me, will my kids be okay? Yeah, lots of fears about your kids. So, okay, what are the fears you have for yourself in this season? I don't want to mess up. I don't know what I'm doing. So those presume that you somewhat think you are messing up, right? That's why that fear is there, because there's kind of a voice, right, that's, that's always saying something. You are messing up. There's something in us that, that is a narrative that's playing that produces these fears, right? It's, it's not necessarily from our parents, although we could have been handed that narrative from them, but there's something playing in our minds all the time. What is that thing? And if you can name it, it will sure help you this morning. And we might be able to do some work to get free of it. So what else? Okay. Yeah, there you go. That you somewhat you're failing because you work. Okay. What else? I mean, come here for a second. Yeah. Bring your baby. Okay, this is our, this, that, what we're about to do here is about to already make me cry. I want you all to tell me what you see. I want you to tell me what you see. <laughs> Thank you. Are you receiving that? Thank you all. Y'all are slow talkers, but you weren't just then. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you. How easy was that to do for her? How easy was that to do for her? And we live in our heads all the time with these lies. We beat ourselves up minute after minute, day after day, and we barely say it out loud, and yet that's the running narrative in your heads. And I was praying for this room this morning, and the picture that I saw was that God built a bubble here. I believe it. Um, I, I'm going to sound uber charismatic here. Um, I used to think this stuff was crazy, but then I experienced spiritual warfare, and I got... I got crazy on the other side. I was like, okay, we need some protection. So we, my husband almost died this year. My son almost died this year. Um, we have had a crazy spiritual attack in our home. My brother-in-law believes he's Presbyterian, y'all. He's not crazy. And he comes in the house. He's like, we need to anoint your house with oil. So he goes over every door. We all sit there and beg God. We're like, God, please protect our home. Like it feels like there's attack in our home. We put oil over every door. Y'all, something shifted. I don't, it was olive oil, y'all. It wasn't even like any kind of special oil, but we put that olive oil in. And I, I think about it all the time because this is what I feel. 
is when I'm in that house, now I know this might've been true before we put olive oil over the door, but we somewhat claim the authority of Christ over our home in that prayer gathering with our small group. We placed it over our home and there was a sense of God's protection is here. So not here, devil. You don't get to fight for us here. Here, there is safety. Now, what I picture when I pray for you this morning were those crosses. I pictured the church and I thought, I've rarely ever believed lies in this place. When I'm here, on a Sunday morning, when I'm here having small group, when I'm having coffee down here, I've rarely believed lies in this place. I'm not saying I've never done it, but I can't think of a time that I felt in bondage in the room. And so what I pictured when I prayed for you this morning was this protective bubble with like olive oil crosses at the door. And what would happen in the bubble, because I cannot help you on the way to the car, right? Like I don't know what's gonna happen out there. But right here, we're under the dominion of God. Now, we're always under the dominion of God. That's true. But there are certain places where his authority is, is such that, that there's no getting in. Like, the enemy is not going to come in here. So that means we're having a private meeting and the devils are outside. I know, this is crazy. Y'all were like, we just came from muffins. Um, <laughs> but if you're in bondage and you're my people, I walk in, I'm like, y'all are my people. Like, I remember this like it was yesterday. And I remember what the enemy was doing in my head, then who would I be to not fight for you like this? Like that would just be rude. And plus it's what God told me to say. So I'm just gonna do what he said. But when I look at this room and I see this bubble and this, this protective place to do business, then this is what I wanna do. I wanna talk about how we fight the lies that you are believing every single day. Because there are lies that will not steal you away to hell they will not cause you to lose your salvation because it's not possible. But there are lies that will ruin your motherhood. They will ruin your joy in it. And I'm not saying ruin your kids. God's good. He loves them more than you. He somehow gets them through and they, they don't, you know, they're only mildly screwed up. So somehow he, they're going to be okay. But you're not okay. And you're not free. And your head is stuck like my son in the car. And today I am that girl. I am the crazy girl waving her arms saying, here's the lock. Here's how you get out. Let me tell you, this is it. Because it is possible to not live with those narratives playing through your head for the rest of your years as a mother. Our jobs don't end as mothers, but they change pretty dr drastically when your kids turn about 13. Because all of a sudden what was good parenting become psycho parenting, like controlling everything. I mean, I was like a stickler, G movies. Like my kids are like, mom, I missed the whole cultural examples from childhood because you literally only let us watch Animal Planet, which was way R-rated. <laughs> Animal Planet, PBS, like they were, they were 10. And I was like, Caillou, baby, that's what you can watch. I don't even know if they have that anymore. It's the most annoying show. Um, but something shifts about 13 and all of a sudden, everything that you think you're messing up because you're not doing, you're messing up if you are doing. I know that's a weird thought because you can't imagine it right now. But my son, and I'm, this has a point, my son was beside me at, the at church one Sunday and they gave a sermon about trusting God with your kids. And he was right at that age and I was still doing that thumb thing where I was controlling everything about him. 
and I was convicted. And I looked at him. I let our family go, and I kept him back. And he still remembers this. I mentioned it to him later. And I said, I want you to know I trust you. And if you need me, I'm here. But I'm not overparenting you anymore. And there was a shift in our relationship. And he went from yelling at me and angry at me to enjoying me and becoming my best friend. And I use that example to say, there's not a right way to do this. The Holy Spirit at the right time said, hey, it's time to shift from this to this. There's not, I, was, I didn't read that in a book. Nobody said that from the front. The Spirit prompted me and, and I knew like it's time to change my form of parenting with this kid. I have a 13 year old right now. We're not about to let the thumb up, y'all. That's just that kid. He's not getting the thumb up, but, but he will when it's time. And the Spirit will show us that. There's not a right way to do this. You follow God. There's a verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. This is how it goes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You'll know how to parent. You'll know what to do. Now I just took one lie in your head and said, why don't we flip it and look at it different? It's called perspective. It's biblical perspective. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us. Powerful thought. He's helping us. Disciple our kids. Powerful thought. And every one of your kids is going to need different things at different stages. So isn't it handy that he put a helper inside of us, the word of God in our hand? And we know what to do. And that's how we go. So here's what I know. Is there is, I don't think um, the war for your kids you can carry. But the war for your mind, you can the war for your kids you cannot carry. That is God's. But the war for your own mind you can. And I am not saying you don't fight for them in prayer. I'm saying you don't carry that. Because we don't totally have authority over our kids' behaviors. Has anyone noticed that yet? And so there's a great freedom in saying, you know what, God? Every day. Here they are again. What do you want me to do? Here they are. Here's a problem again. What do you want me to do? I'm going to flip back and forth through a few scriptures today, but my main aim, I do not want you to miss it, is that you walk out of here more free. That you walk out of here recognizing this verse to be true. Second Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. And I know many of you have heard this verse, but he has given you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Self-discipline, another verse says another translation. Power, love, and self-control. Volition, the ability to affect change in your life, in your own life, and in the world around you. Power, love, and self-control. It's very different than the spirit of fear. So the expectation is, I don't believe in this room because I believe the power of God rests in this room and you are protected from the enemy in this room. But when you walk outside and you go back to doing your dishes and you go back to changing diapers, I promise you there's going to be a sense of fear somehow in your mind that enters, right? A spirit of fear. So what you've got to know is there are two princes, right? The prince of peace and the prince of this world. Interesting. That means that the prince of this world has been given some authority by God to have power and to cause trouble. So he's been given some power on earth. So what you'll experience is you'll be doing your everyday medial tasks that you feel like are menial but really produce awesome humans. And, and you're going to be doing those things and there's going to be whispers and there's going to be lies. How do I know this? Because we have an enemy and what does he do? 
John 8. He lies. John 8 says this, and it's, um, it's troubling. It says this. Why do you understand, um, why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So five different ways Jesus says the same thing of the devil. He says he is a liar. He is a where do you believe lies? No, where do you, like in your body, where do you believe lies? In your mind. So the greatest war is happening there, especially in motherhood. The greatest war is happening in your mind, and the enemy, it says, Jesus is clear about, he's going to whisper lies. Now, interesting that he says this because he's actually not necessarily telling unbelievers that because there's, they are slaves to their sin. They're, they're not able to change, change their minds. What the power of a Christian is able to do is to change their mind. We're able to do that. So he's saying this to Christians. He's not Christians at the time because they were, it was pre his death, but, but believers, followers. He's saying this to disciples. So, so he's saying, hey, I need you to know something. The enemy's going to lie to you. And why do I say it like this? Why am I so intense right now? Why am I not just going with the muffins and the bacon and like just being like a sweet nest? Because there are enemies coming for you. And they're gonna come while you're doing dishes. And they're gonna come. I remember specifically when my kids were young, I was doing dishes. I keep saying this because this is where I spent a lot of my life then. And I was doing dishes and I remember I had this big, farm sink so there could fit so many before we had to go in the dishwasher and and there were so many dishes and so I'm figuring out okay Lord am I am I so anxious that I need medicine am I so anxious that I need counseling I don't know I only know my own mind I don't know where we are I don't know if that's where we are but I need you to help me and to show me and and I remember um praying and saying, Lord, like, I, I'm not sleeping. I'm waking up every night. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. And I was completely believing lies. If I look back at that season of my life and I never said them out loud and nobody ever fixed them, nobody was able to put the truth over them because unlike what you just did, I never just even said them. Because if I got time to even think how I was doing, I could barely even muster up how I was doing. I remember people would say to you, how are you? And I knew inside I'm a complete disaster, but if I say that, I'll have to tell them why. And I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I'm too tired to even know what's wrong. But all that while, I stayed believing lies. And so I don't want to make this complicated for you. Like, this doesn't have to be complicated. You are believing lies. Let me just say it. Because, what's your name? Hannah, when Hannah came up here, did you speak the truth? Did you lie? Do you think what is true of Hannah is not true of you? Yes or no? What you saw in Hannah with her baby up here, do you think it's true of you? You got to talk back to me. Do you think it's true? Because if it's true, all the crud you said before Hannah came up here, then maybe it's not true. 
Maybe it's not true. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to take a little break. Y'all are going to share. Yeah, you're going to share something hard and deep. You ready? You're going to share something hard and deep, and the reason you're going to do it is because it might set you free, and it's worth it. So what I want you to do is I want you to say out loud the worst lie you're believing. What is, and, and, and here's the thing. Here's the problem. Most lies have a little truth in them, right? If they didn't have a little truth in them, the devil wouldn't be so good. He starts with something with Adam and Eve. He starts with a little bit of truth. God did say, don't eat of that, didn't he? He said, he said, God said, don't eat of that. He starts with just like, yeah, a little bit of truth. God did say this. But there's a sense that in that little bit of truth, that little bit of truth isn't so scary. If you believed the little bit of truth, like I don't, I don't really measure up. I can't do this alone. And you could say that. Maybe you could believe the whole truth, which is that's okay. God doesn't need you. Like we could, we could do the work of it. But what devil does is he takes a little truth and he wraps it with such a hairball that it feels like I can never, ever get this untangled. And God says, no, yes, you have stuff. Yes, but I'm good at untangling. <laughs> we can do this. So I want you to say the hairball. I don't want you to say the little truth. I want you to say the hairball. What is the hairball that you're like, I, I have had this thought in my head since I was 12? this thought. And I don't think it can be fixed. And I know y'all are good at table discussions. I actually just want you to turn to one other person. I don't want you to do this to the whole table. Just turn to one other person. And if it's an odd number, then three of you can be together. And I want you, I'm going to give you about 10 minutes. And I want you to share what that hairball is for you. What is that lie that has grown? And how is it affecting you? But I want you to go, I want you to, what's going to happen is you might cry. And you might decide you need counseling. That's okay. <laughs> but we're not going to do that today. Today you're just going to say it. And guys, we're not going to counsel each other. You're not going to say like, oh, but da, da, da. You're not going to do that. Because you know what? They know. You know. That's not the problem. Truth is not the problem. You're here all the time. Truth is not your problem. We'll talk about what the problem is in a minute. But first I want you to name the hairball. Go. Okay, I want to save, save more of our time for the next breakout, which is going to be way happier. How, how has the devil been doing at his job? Really well, right? He's good at this, yeah. So he's a good liar. He's effective. If he wasn't good at it, we would not believe them. So you all were loud, so I'm guessing unless you all skip the question, there are things that you're believing that are not true. What did it feel like to say those things out loud? And I want you to talk about what it felt like, even just right now. What do you feel having said those things out loud? Free. Oh, that was 10 minutes. Go ahead. Free. Wow. Good answer. Okay, go ahead. Makes me happy. Lighter. Not alone. Relief. Peace. Understood. What else? Able. Okay, now I want you to, I want you to, if you can, I know some of you are a little far. If you can, I want you to reach out and I want you to touch the person behind you. I want you to put your hand on their back. Yep. Now I want you to go like this. And just rub their shoulders for a second.
Okay. Yeah, we're not going to sing. What did that, what did that feel like? Didn't that feel good? Like, there's something about what I want to, what I want to do. I told you I was going to show you how to unlock the door. There's something about saying it out loud that sets us free. And that is scriptural. That is biblical. That is of God. Some of y'all know I wrote a book called Find Your People. And it's too relevant in this moment for me not to tell you a little bit about, because it is exactly how we get free. It is exactly how we get free. So 2 Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. This is true of us. It's crazy talk. We have divine weapons that that destroy strongholds. So then the question is, well, what are those weapons? And let me tell you what they are. I've done a lot of research on it. The three weapons that are super clear in scripture are the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. The word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. Those are the weapons he's given us. The spirit is a helper. We could talk about that all day. In motherhood, we could talk about that all day, about how the Holy Spirit, and we have a little today, can can give you power and can issue you um, comfort and can be beside you as you make decisions. I mean, I have prayed so hard for my kids and I've known what to do and it's things I never would have thought of, right? Never. My son kept getting in trouble for so long and the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to go and take him to get cake. And I'm like, wouldn't have thought of that. Not that creative. I go, I pick up my son who the principal has called because he's in the office. I go, he's not even supposed to be picked up. He's just supposed to, principal's supposed to tell me, I said, leave him in the office. I drive, I pick him up. I drive him to the fanciest restaurant in Austin, Texas. I never say a word. I put him in the car. Where are we going, mom? Where are we going? Where are we going, mom? So anxious. I might die. Might run away. That's what he's thinking. And so we go to the fanciest restaurant. Everything's white tablecloths. Everybody's dressed up. They're serving us like crazy. I order nothing but their hugest piece of cake. I set it in front of him. He's like seven. Look at him. I'm like, he was like, mom, what are we doing? I said, we are celebrating the end of your rebellion stops right here. Y'all, we had a great rest of the year. I'm sorry. I'm not that creative. Like the spirit of God was like, let me help you know how to get through to this kid. We talk about that all day. The word of God. I mean, y'all, we can talk about this all day. Are you kidding? Every time I put my nose in this thing, let me tell you, this is why I love, I love the supernatural nature of God because he tells us to do things that don't make sense. And so we don't want to do them because we think, how is this going to help? Why would it help? How does belonging to a church help? Why do we have to become a member? How does that help? Why do we have to spend time reading the word? It feels mundane and I'm doing mundane all day. Like, how does it help? Something else might feel better faster. How does it all help? Let me tell you, sometimes it does practically help. Sometimes it places you under the bubble of the cross, of the olive oil of God, and it sets you under his favor and protection in a way that is supernatural and you can't explain. So you do the things he tells you to do because under the bubble, there's a protection that you can't even imagine obeying God that's happening around you and your family. Now, I'm not saying you're fully protected. I'm not saying there won't be darkness and sin. That scripture is clear that is going to come, that there will be um, children that rebel. There will be um, earthquakes and disasters that, that can come and that can affect Christians. And you're not totally protected under the bubble from everything because there is a fallen world. But you won't believe when you get to heaven how much you were protected from.
just by obeying him, the word of God, placing yourself under the authority and the word of God so you know what it looks like to stay under the bubble. So you know, okay, I don't need to go over here because this is what the book says. You do not need to go over here because this is what the book says. And you just keep pulling in under the hedge and the protection of God. Talk about that all day. But what today I want to talk about is the people of God because you just experienced it. Hannah experienced up here and immediately, what, Hannah, did it feel like truth? It felt like truth. Something about each other, fighting for each other to believe God helps. There is a supernatural power to the people of God fighting for you. Let me read to you out of Hebrews 10. It says, this is Hebrews 10, 4 and 5. And it says this. It says, I don't have to even look it up. I know it. Um, Encourage each other as long as as it is called today so that you will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So there's a deceitfulness fighting for you, right? Again, using another word for lies. He's fighting for you. There's a deceitfulness fighting for you. And what will the deceitfulness do at the end of that verse? What does it say? It will do what? What is the cause or effect of, the sin, of sin's deceitfulness? Hardened heart. It will harden your heart. That is its goal, to harden your heart. Now, I want you to imagine motherhood and if you're married, being married, if you have friends, being friends, and I want you to imagine those relationships, and on the other side of that, you have hardened hearts. Not your heart's hardened. I'm saying you're dealing with somebody whose heart is hardened. What does that feel like? I'm sure you have experienced that with your kids if they're old enough, your husband if you're married, or friendships at certain times when, when they've walked away from God, or just been, been hard of heart. I'm not even talking about massively walking away from God. He said, if we don't encourage each other every day, this is what happens to us. So you go through a really dark season and you feel isolated and you're alone and your heart gets harder. Somebody else's heart gets hard. What does it feel like to connect with them? What are those words? Distant, disconnected, cold. Think about touching the other person's back. Think about that connection, that physical. Think about saying the words and being even maybe a little nervous to say them and what you saw in return. Was it hard? Was it cold? Was it disconnected? No. I watched your faces. I sat up here and like was delighted over you sharing hard things because you all were like, ugh, like your faces were warm and tender and supportive and empathetic. Guys, this is how we fight the devil. And it is also the way that we will be taken down. If our hearts are hard, we will isolate and we will get disconnected. But if we are hard and disconnected, we will also isolate. It is a chicken and an egg. (laughs) It is like we have to come together and encourage each other as long as it is called today. That's what it says. Now let me talk about the first part of the verse. The word encourage, it means to stir up courage. We think of it as compliments. What just happened in Hannah, I promise you, courage was stirred up in her. Courage to fight the devil, courage to fight the lies, courage to love better, courage to go and to recognize like, hey, I don't think that's of God. Because what you heard today, it sounded like God, right? It felt like God, felt true. And what all of you said prior to that, it felt cold and hard and empty. It was sin's deceitfulness. 
it's a weird thing to sit up here because I see where this is going and you see where this is going, which is to some degree when we believe the lies, we have given over our hearts to sin's deceitfulness. And it's comforting to say things like, I don't want you to believe lies because I love you, I wanna fight for you. But it's another thing to say, I'm afraid some of your hearts have become hard because of sin's deceitfulness. That feels a little more harsh, especially to a place called The Nest and people that have to take care of babies today. So skip that part, but I'm gonna just set it there for you to think about later, okay? Okay, I want you to like me. Um, but that's what, ha- I mean, that's what it, like that's what lies do. And the opposite of that is to meet together as long as it's called today and encourage each other as long as it's called today so that that doesn't happen. So what you come here for is not the bacon and what you come here for is not the childcare. Maybe a little bit, but mostly what you come here for is the head nodding. Mostly what you come here for is a hug. Mostly what you come here for is to say that thing out loud. Mostly what you come here for is to be known. Humans are built innately as infants to crave three things, to be seen, to be soothed, and to feel safe. Now, y'all know this better than anybody because you're living it every day. That's what they want. They want to be seen, they want to be soothed, and they want to feel safe. And we never, ever, ever outgrow that. And so what this room felt like when I walked in was a God little pocket. I mean, the nest is the perfect name for it. It's this safe little place where you can be seen, where you can be soothed, and where you can feel safe. And let me tell you, that is what we need constantly. We live in the, and I'm just getting this a little, we live in the most isolated, independent culture that has ever existed. Probably don't have to tell you that. We've prized it so much that it's the thing most celebrated in our culture, independent success, independent achievement, individual um, acknowledgement, being known, success, all that. Highest praise, an individual athlete, you know, all these things. So we have been taught that that is the winning thing. Y'all, we're one of the only cultures that's lived that way in the history of the world. History of the world. I looked at them all. Like I went back to the beginning of mankind. I have a chart. It literally shows all of the people groups that have ever lived on the earth. We're like this much of a chart the size of this room. But, but all of them lived in village existences and they took care of each other and they had each other and, and there was a sense of we got, we got each other. We're going to take care of each other. And survival was the goal, right? You want to um, eat, you've got to hunt, gather, uh, cook, take care of each other. So they did that communally. Everything was a communal thing. You are raising kids in a way that you were never meant to raise kids. You in your house with your fences and your alarms and your Amazon, it was never meant to be this way. And I, I mean, I'm saying this with a lot of passion because it's that broken. You are raising kids in that broken of an environment. Let me tell you how you were meant to raise kids. You were meant to be out by fire after your kids go to bed because they're in a hut with a, no door and they're down and you're out there with all the other people that live with no doors right beside you and together you are raising those kids. And Auntie Alice, who I know in Rwanda, that I land and we get off the plane with my Rwandan son. And she looks at Cooper and she goes, I'm Auntie Alice. And for the rest of the 10 days we were there, she parented the kid. Never met her. That's how we're meant to raise kids. So you're thinking to yourself, what do I do? I want more people. I want more back scratches. I want help doing this. I don't want to do this alone. I don't want to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's talk about that. What can we do? You can parent differently. You can mother differently. 
I believe this to be the most helpful tool I could give you today. Yes, the word of God, but you already know that. Yes, the power of God, spirit, you already know that. What I'm gonna give you today, you probably don't know, which is this. There's a different way to live with your people. And if you live this way, and if I could have lived this way as a mom with young kids, it would have changed everything. You are not supposed to do this alone. God creates a man. First thing he says about him. Say it. It's not good for a man to be alone. We always joke about that, like obviously. But he's not just talking about Adam. He's not just talking about men. He's talking about humans. It is not good for a human to be alone. It is not good for you to, I mean, I know y'all are going to go crazy because you're going to be like, how do I apply this? We're going to figure it out together. It is not good. Like when you sit there and are spiraling in your head and you've got a baby and a toddler and your whole day is spent in your house alone, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to keep spiraling. You will not walk out this door and quit believing lies unless something fundamentally changes about your life. Now, let me tell you how you're gonna do it because I was you, I know, I get it. It's crazy, it's miserable. Car seats, although they have gotten so much better, they are still a pain. Like you don't wanna have to go to another group and go to another thing and how do I do that? This is hard to get here, right? And they have bacon and childcare. So how are we supposed to do this? You are supposed to walk to your neighbor's house and see what they're doing. Say, do you want to go to the park? You're supposed to go to the park and see who's there and make a friend. You're supposed to drop off at preschool and notice the other mothers and say, can you go get coffee? And you sprinkle in the people that are already around you all the time into your life in a deeper way, and it's there. Y'all, a village is all around you. You can have a village. In fact, it probably walked by you today on your sidewalk or in your apartment complex. It probably um, was here with whoever you dropped your kids off to because do you have older women in your life? You definitely need them. It's part of your village. Helps you feel not alone. It doesn't have to be just peers. In fact, it's very recommended to have a lot of single friends in these years because they can come over after your kids are in bed really easily. Invite them over. It's not something more to do. It's noticing what you're already doing and who's already in your midst and to do it together. Everyone is isolated. It is the greatest enemy lie right now because it's so effective because when you just say it out loud and you just simply hear the truth you fought the lies and your heart's no longer hardened by sin's deceitfulness did you see how fast Hannah cried I cried who I cried before you even said anything because I knew how good it was going to be because you were going to say the truth over a person believing lies and guys we can do that as we walk we can do that as we Costco we can do that as and if you can't if you can't get with somebody that day, you call. I, I did this with Callie Nixon one day. I was believing a lie. This was a while back. I was believing a lie. I was believing a lie. I was believing a lie. I, I was spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. I would typically try to say, okay, can I fight it with scripture first? Can I, like, do I need to call somebody? Usually within 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, nope, I need to call somebody. Call Callie. I'm like, here's what I'm believing today. She tells me the truth. I'm free for that day. Now, I've gone through seasons of my life where that lie that was in my head for 10 minutes in the parking lot of this place a few months ago would have lasted for 18 months. We have a choice. We can pick up a phone. We can send a text. We can go to the park. We can get in the car and run an errand together with all your crazy kids. You can invite somebody over in your messy house. You can, you can make choices that say, hey, come in because I'm struggling. Nothing will change your life faster and more easily than the people of God fighting for you. Why? Because you already know this, a lot of you. Some of you aren't believers, and I want to speak to that in a minute. 
But a lot of you know this book. That's not your problem. A lot of you know the power of God. You've seen it. You've experienced it in your life. You have stories about it. That's not your problem. When you're spiraling and you're stuck and you're isolated and your heart's getting hard, you need somebody to scratch your back. You need somebody to wrap you up. You need somebody to cry while you cry. You need somebody to listen and not try to fix it, but just listen. You need somebody to tell, hey, my marriage is completely falling apart, and I am a leader, and I don't know who to tell. You need somebody to say, I yelled at my toddler this morning so hard that I'm scared that I might hurt him. Like, I'm scared of myself. You need to say that out loud. You, and everything in you, the enemy is so good. The next thing he'll do, what he'll do after this talk is he will then be like, that's too much trouble. Or if I say that, I'm going to be rejected. Or I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it would help that much. That's a big one. What, what, what good is it going to do? I don't want to call somebody. I don't want to complain. Guys, let me tell you the difference in complaining and sharing. Complaining seeks relief. Sharing what's going on in your life seeks healing and connection. If you want healing and connection, you're not complaining. You're trying to heal and connect. <laughs> so I don't know what's keeping you from doing this or living this way. I imagine it's, I mean, work, kids, commitments, all that. But guess what? In your work, in your parenting, there's people built in all around. There's people built on all around. I'm not saying add something to your life. I'm not saying start a supper club. I'm not saying start something else. Goodness, no. I'm saying this Sunday, invite two girls over and all of you cook the food for the week. I'm saying as you're going anyway, bring people in. Imagine how they live in Rwanda. I remember being in Rwanda, and, or was actually Uganda, and I saw these women. This is actually when I decided to do this project. I saw these two women, all beautiful with... Um, wrapped in their African fabrics, and, and they had two buckets on their head, and they were walking down to get their water for the day, and, and they were laughing hysterically, like just having a ball. And if you look online, I tried to find a picture of something like that. If you look online, it's all people trying to raise money of, like, give them clean water so they all are like, you know, like this. That's not how it is, you know? I mean, I'm not saying it's a good problem. I'm saying give to charity water, but, but we, you know, no, but, but I, but I do believe that, that they're happier than us. That's what I saw. I'm not saying that they're more provided for. I'm saying that in their lack of provision, they depend on each other. And therefore I believe they're happier than us. So where is your need? Your point of need is your greatest point of connection. Your point of need is your greatest point of connection. So don't fear the hairball. The hairball, you will not by yourself, even alone in your quiet time, be able to untangle the hairball. I'm going to tell you right now. You aren't. You know why? Because you're in the middle of the hairball. You need other people. First Corinthians says it this way. There are many parts in one body. Everybody plays their part. If somebody doesn't play their part, the body's broken, the body's sick. That is evidence that you alone with Jesus still get sick and broken. You alone with Jesus is not a way to thrive. Yes, there are sayings. Jesus plus nothing equals happiness. I don't know what they are. But, but you know what Jesus said through the whole book? We need each other. <laughs> I built you to need people. You're finite. You're broken. You'll believe lies. Alone in the dark with the devil, you'll believe lots of them. We need each other. With Christ as a sinner, not trying to meet each other's every need, 
but going to each other humbly with God as a center and saying, this is what I'm struggling with and realizing that is how we fight the devil best together. Word of God, spirit of God, people of God. So God, we pray for protection. We pray for ideas. We pray for, for freedom. <laughs> and we pray for conviction for how to do this and to live this out in our day-to-day lives, God. I can't think of a more isolated season of my life than parenting young kids. Most isolating season of my life. God, I pray you would redeem that for these women. I pray you would shift that narrative for these women, that they would look back at these years and go, oh my gosh, that was the most fun years of my life because I was connected and I needed other people and I borrowed things and I asked for help and I reached out and I had all these people in my life and we raised our kids together and I was an auntie to to 10 other kids and God, let that be true of this church. Would we be aunties to each other? Would we help co-parent? Would we help each other in our small mundane needs and our big needs? And and would we do this life connected in the way that you intended, in the way that actually brings you the most glory? We love you. We trust you. We we give you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's what I want to do next. I want you to brainstorm this together. I want you, because you know what? How you apply this depends on your life. What does it look like? And here, before we even start, there's a piece of paper in the middle and a pen. I want you to grab it. And, and here's how we're gonna start. And then in about two minutes, I'll, I'll shift you to the conversation we're gonna have. But first, I want you to write down the names of all the humans you see in a given week. Do you get it? Like any humans that you see. I don't care where you see them, how you see them, just humans. Who are the humans that you see in a given week? Go. Name some of the people you see. Because y'all were writing lots of names. What? Preschool people. Teachers. Neighbors. Clients. Family. Community. Okay. So y'all are seeing plenty of people, right? That's not your problem? They're already there? Okay, now dream about connecting with them. I want you to brainstorm, how could I live with more people in my day in and day out lives? I want you all to get creative and have fun with this. I don't want you to overthink it. I want you to get ideas and I want you to jot those ideas down. If you applied one or two of those ideas after this, that would radically change how much interaction you had with people. That's good. We're not looking for 100. We're just looking for one or two or three ideas, not let me say this really clearly, because my worst case scenario would be walking out here of here and stressing y'all out. This should feel easy and fun and life-giving. This should feel like, you know what? I can do this. If it doesn't, nix it, okay? It should feel easy and life-giving and doable. If you hear something or in your spirit, you're like, I need to, I know, I need. No, that's not this. You're looking for points of connection that feel delightful to your soul and needed, Okay? That's what we're looking for. Everybody brainstorm out loud, share your ideas, and somebody will come up and close in just a minute. I loved being with you guys. This was such a complete delight. And I pray y'all leave encouraged. I'm so grateful. And it's so fun to be in my local church and to see your precious faces. You're doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing. It is going to turn out really well. And even if it doesn't, it's okay. Jail wasn't that bad for that one kid. It was just, she was fine. She learned a lot. The end. Hey, ladies. 
was Jenny Allen. That's so great. What a treat to have her this morning. It was super fun. Um, we are wrapping up our time here. You're going to have to go pick up your kids soon. So this is, we like to always, at least for me, um, like to leave you guys a little time to go to the bathroom by yourself, which is a big deal in my house, okay? So uh, did want to let you know that we're going to wrap up and you're going to need to go get your kids in about mm, five-ish minutes. Um, a couple announcements that we have. Our next event is going to be pushed up due to spring breaks all over the place. So March 11th will be our next event. Mandy's sister is speaking, which we are so excited about to have her back. Um, if you don't know, she led the Nest and was part of the Nest team for many years. And so we're just so thankful to have her. And she's going to be speaking on hot topics. So it should be kind of spicy. So pretty pumped about that. Um, because it's early, please note registration opens a week from this Monday, this upcoming Monday. So February 28th. Um, and then lastly, today's uh, talk will be recorded. We'd love for you to share it with your friends, share it with those that you are, you are looking to connect with, kind of like what Jenny was saying, um, so that everybody can be on the same page and be encouraged. So anyway, we hope you guys will be at the next event and y'all have a great week.